Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We are back, baby! Games are back! Oh, the All-Star break was so painfully long. Ah, man, it's good to... It's good to have games back again. Thank goodness. Oof. You know, uh, I wrote it in the description of today's show, but the All-Star break feels longer when your fantasy teams are winning or when your reality team, whatever team you might root for, you guys know I'm a, a Lakers fan, although a very pragmatic one when it comes to fantasy sports, when your reality team is interesting I mean the Lakers are nothing if not interesting these days they made all these moves I think we everybody fantasy enthusiasts Laker fans whatever we're all sort of curious to find out what they are and then on the fantasy side you know I'm not going to throw it up on the screen here on the YouTube side of this thing but uh I've got this one team that's just been making a steady march up the standings for good lord I don't know how long but that team was in like ninth or tenth place uh, at the turn of the year, and now it's in second place. And it just it feels like only a matter of time before I chase down that first-place team. So the All-Star break was... That joint felt interminable. Interminable! But we're back. We got a good, old-fashioned, chunky Thursday to welcome us back from the break. We've got a long-streaming demo episode coming up today. Ah, the joys. Man, we made it, guys. We didn't have that many. Okay, so I shouldn't complain too much because, you know, Monday's show was sort of like a, a gimme episode of, of Today in Sport or uh, what the hell is this show called? Fantasy NBA Today. I call it Today in Sports Betting. That was the first podcast I ever did. Today in Sports Betting, 2009 to 2011 with pregame.com. It was the first ever handicapping podcast on the internet. It's a crazy thing to think. Because that's only 14 years ago. That was the first. There were shows that were just touts yelling at people about what to buy. There wasn't a show out there that existed in 2009 where analysts handicapped the games live on the, on the show. And we did that. That's kind of what I've tried to do here with Fantasy NBA Today is kind of show you guys how to handicap the fantasy side. Because ultimately, I really do want you all to be able to do it yourself. It's a terrible business model because at the end of all of this, that means that you could just stop listening to the podcast if you wanted to. Go about your daily life. Go do something else. Okay, Dan taught us how to do it. We're good now. <laughs> uh, but I am hoping that you'll stick with it regardless. But in any event, welcome to the show, everybody. It's Fantasy NBA Today. You guys know that. I mentioned it, even if I called it the wrong name first. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Exciting, I know. Same old Dan. The Iron Man streak lives on. I am promising you all that during this offseason, the Iron Man streak will end somewhere. I don't know what it's going to be. Someone else will do a guest episode of the show, or there just like won't be a show on a holiday. Something innocuous. But I got to break the streak, because it's actually like kind of physically hurting me now. Doing the show on Monday, like 15 minutes or not, physically hurt me. 
because we had just been driving for six hours, landed back at the home front, like didn't even have a chance to go to the bathroom after getting in. It was just like, all right, put the kids on a cartoon. Dan's got to do a 15-minute podcast about the All-Star game that nobody cares about anymore. Not today, though. Today's an easy one. For those listening on the recorded side, please do join us on YouTube here in the not-too-distant future. There are many thousands of you that listen every day on the recorded side, and there is but a fraction of that that hangs out with us on YouTube. So I know a number of you could do it. We try to go live a little bit after 9 o'clock Pacific time most days, which I realize isn't super convenient if you are, you know, a working stiff when you kind of just need to listen to the show whenever you can. But if you want to try to plan around it, that is the way to do so. That link, of course, is youtube.com slash sportsethos. I am available at Dan Bespris on Twitter, and sportsethos.com is the website where it all takes place. Warning you right now that mid-show, I am going to ram some baseball content down your throats because this is actually a huge week for us at Sports Ethos as we introduce the third, not final, but third of the big sports draft guides our first ever baseball draft guide. I can't wait to tell you guys about that mid-show. For now, let's do the following. I think most of you are here for the Thursday night preview. So let's start with that, and then we'll loop back around to the streaming demo, which simply might not apply for some of you. You know, if you're in a roto league, you don't really need uh, to be able to, to long stream. It's a long streaming demo. It's not just a streaming demo. If you're in Roto, you don't need a long stream. If you're in Roto, uh, if you're low on games played, you just simply add and drop guys like crazy. It's easy fix. And if you're up on games played, you have to bench your, you know, 8th through 13th or 14th best players. You just play your top 7 or something like that. It's a pretty easy fix. Head-to-head, though, we are approaching the playoffs. Many of you know... The Dan Bespris long streaming method. But I think even, and some of you don't, new listeners don't. There are definitely new listeners out there. But even for those of you that do know the Dan Bespris long streaming method, I think it would behoove us all to do uh, a little bit of a redux on that. So let's go ahead and dive on in uh, to the uh, Thursday preview, which I, you know, I, I realize now for folks watching on the YouTube side, I have effectively shared the wrong screen, so I'll fix that while we're uh, while we're starting to talk about it. First of all, it's a uh, it's a pretty large Thursday card here, so keep that in mind. This is not your typical Thursday edition. We have a nine gamer with the clubs welcome things back from the All Star break, uh, so you know. It, Typically on Thursdays, it's it ran up against the NFL. It's going to be, now that football's over, the NBA can kind of adjust the way that they do things. They try not to run up against the the powerhouses as often as humanly possible. Most weeks, you'll still have a relatively low Thursday count. They want to highlight the big games on TNT. That's kind of like the big weekly promo. Uh, but look, Boston is at Indiana. There are almost no fantasy angles for this ballgame. The Celtics are largely healthy. It sounds like they've got all of their guys back. Indiana, uh, they didn't really have anybody of consequence out going into the All-Star break. Miles Turner got a rest day in there, but I think he was back even in their last ballgame. So uh, provided the Pacers don't have any 
large shifts in uh, philosophy coming out of the break. Everything should basically be exactly the same. Pacers, by the way, are 26-34. and 34. They are two and a half games out of the final play-in spot. They've been falling apart at the seams. The Raptors have actually been playing a tiny bit better. Um, and if that continues, then maybe, I mean, we talked about it on, I think we, we discussed it on Friday's show of last week. Teams that could, at some point, embrace losses. The problem, of course, is that the Pacers have been too good to fully tank. So then, if they're just going to lose some ball games down the stretch, it's just to like maybe adjust their pick from like, you know, ninth up to eighth or something like that. Could that make a big difference? Yeah, I mean, every team there's a value in trying to move up the board a little bit, and they'll have some odds to grab a top three selection. But uh, I don't, I don't think you're going to be, uh... folks. Picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I, 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 I don't know. Anyway, you guys get the picture. Um, let's keep moving on this one. I don't want to spend too much time on a team where nothing's changing for at least the next couple of weeks. Detroit at Orlando. I think a lot of folks have uh, this, this worry on James Wiseman coming in and messing up Jalen Duran. Um, and I don't really. Uh, Wiseman is going to have to really earn those minutes. And in the game we saw before the break, Duran tweaked an ankle. I mean, that's the most important thing you can take away from that. He was trying to play through it. They, I mean, this is a tanking team, so there's sort of no reason for him to. But now he's had a full week to get that thing recovered. I would expect Duran to log 28 minutes most ball games going forward, with the exception of, you know, look, he's still a rookie, so there's still going to be games where he's bad uh, or things are just going poorly in foul trouble, whatever of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, on some of those days, maybe there will be a little bit of a shift. But for the most part, I'm sticking with Duran. He's the future out there. They're just kicking the tires on Wiseman to see if any of it makes sense. Uh, I am a little bit curious about uh, the Pistons signing R.J. Hampton off the scrap heap. They they don't really have a ton of guards that are, like, the future right now. Besides, I would argue, Jaden Ivey, yes. Killian Hayes, maybe. And then Cade is obviously out for the year. But otherwise, it's like, all right, well, you know. Not that Hampton is going to hit 12-teamers for nine category leagues. He doesn't have a category league game, but I would keep one eye on RJ for points leagues because 
he does tend to kind of pile up counting stats if they give him a chance to do so. But you don't have to get out in front of that. There's nothing to do there. Uh, what does Isaiah Stewart do? I, you know, the fact that Sadiq Bey is gone probably helps a lot of these guys. It's just, you know, a, a chunk of extra shots floating around. I think there may be something that comes out of Detroit here in the next 7 to 10 days. Let's just keep a close eye on it. I don't think much is going to come out of Orlando. You know, they're largely healthy. Cole Anthony missed a couple of games leading into the break. Um, I think they're expecting to have him back here out of the All-Star break. And if so, what does that do to Jalen Suggs, who had shown a little bit of promise those handful of games my guess is that Suggs goes back to not doing much of anything. I think you see Cole Anthony kind of retake his spot, which was fairly effective, like top 100 bench play. And then we'll also just keep tabs on Jonathan Isaac, who got up into that 13-14 minute range, and perhaps we see him crawl up towards 15 or 16 by the end of this week. I don't know what we're thinking here. By, like, March 10th, maybe he's at... 20 minutes, and then maybe you consider using him in a roto format, but, you know, it's again, that's that's the long play. Uh, Jamal Murray is officially questionable for the Nuggets, but he's expected to play, so Nuggets back at full strength is a pretty easy handicap. Cavaliers, they didn't do anything leading up to the break, so I see no reason to make adjustments there. Memphis, it sounds like Steven Adams is getting close. I don't know if we have an official ruling on whether he's getting back in there or not, but there really isn't much to pay attention to as that team gets healthy. Philly, D'Anthony Melton is really the question mark there. His minutes were super low for a couple of ball games, bounced back into the 30s in the last one, uh, and there wasn't anybody out for that game either. But the one thing that I do feel like we need to stress with Melton is while he did buy himself another week on fantasy teams with one better ball game, we talked about this last week too going into the break. The fact that they now have Jalen McDaniels as an alternative kind of, I'm going to say backup wing big man, where before they just slid everybody to a different spot and used Melton as the sixth man in pretty much all scenarios. Well, now Melton is starting. Maxie's the gunner off the bench. If Tyrese is hot, Melton just doesn't even get back into the ballgame. Previously, if someone like Tucker or Embiid or Tobias was out, Melton could actually soak up some of those extra minutes. Now those can go to McDaniels. So the path for Melton just got a little bit tougher. I, you know, Over the course of this entire season, he's still going to hit value. I just think this, this stretch run for him might be more like you know, 90 to 130 range, as opposed to top 50 where he was cruising with a bunch of guys out or even like top 75 where he was when nobody was out pre-McDaniels. So I do think that this gets a little tougher. New Orleans. Nobody's back for them out of the break, so what we saw going into it is what we get coming out of it, which was uh, some curiosity. Not morbid, actually. A reasonable and legitimate curiosity as to what Josh Richardson's role is going to be on this team because he actually looked pretty good in those last two games prior to getting ejected against the Lakers. I suppose I should caveat that last statement. But he does have a fantasy-friendly game. I wouldn't write Richardson off completely, at least not until Zion comes back. Does he have a negative impact on Trey Murphy or Herb Jones, possibly. It seems like those two guys are going to be in there mostly anyway, and perhaps like an Alvarado might suffer or someone else 
but it could create more of a logjam. For now, I do still feel pretty comfortable playing Trey Murphy and Herb Jones as long as Zion remains out. But if we see some of that stuff pivot towards Richardson, or if all three of those guys just start kind of cannibalizing each other, we have to be ready to act on that. Gary Trent Jr. is expected to be back for the Raptors. OG Ananobi may be back for the Raptors as well. We might get to see what their actual plan is now with their old starting five back and the addition of Jakob Pertl. This is actually a really big question mark. I know that a lot of leagues, the trade deadlines have passed. You know, I've, I'm in a couple where I pushed it into early March because I thought it'd be fun to have it super late. So if you're in a league where the trade deadline has not passed yet, Get ready to maybe have some opportunities with the Raptors. Because does Pirtle start and Gary Trent Jr. comes off the bench? That would be my guess based on that team's need for a defensive presence and rebounding in their first unit. I think with all of those guys healthy, Precious Achua goes back to being a scrap heaper. That feels like a pretty easy decision. And then you start to think, okay, well, what can Gary Trent be? Uh if he's coming off the bench. And that was actually kind of what woke him up earlier this season. So not super worried there. Probably doesn't keep rolling at a top 40 clip if he's shifted to a bench roll. But I see no reason why he would fall outside the top 75 or 80 range. Um, and then with Pirtle, like, this is a fantastic spot for him. But let's keep an eye on it. San Antonio. Uh, Trey Jones, still doubtful. I believe... Oh, God, they they released a ton of injury news yesterday, and now it's gotten buried in a this absurd pile of stuff. I can't remember. Half the team is doubtful, and half the team is questionable. Um, Sohan is questionable. Jones is doubtful. Romeo Langford, I think, is, is on their injury report. I believe he's out. Those are probably the most important ones. Uh, so Zach Collins is a go. If Trey Jones is still out, then you get the sort of points league options. And if Sohan doesn't play, then that opens things up a little bit more also. You get these points league options like Malachi Branham, like Devontae Graham. Half that Spurs team is a points league team. Keldon Johnson will do more. He's actually been more points leaguey this year also. Ah, Keldon. Just lost all the things that we liked about him. At least he's been running more like a top 90 guy since that god-awful shooting slump. But still, I mean, obviously we wanted more than that. So, and I will play by ear a little bit. If Sohan's back in there, he's also more of a points league leaning type of player. That's the Spurs, man. I, you know, Trey Jones, when he plays, and Zach Collins are kind of the only category league guys that truly makes sense outside of punt builds. I know, like, I get done with these pods and people are like, Dan, you can use these guys in a punt build. I'm like, yes, I understand that. When I say points league friendly, I mean inefficient. So if that's not a problem for you, fine. You can make that adjustment on the fly. But if I have to say that every single time, I'm going to lose my mind. The hell were we? Dallas favored by 14. Yeesh. That is a large spread. Uh, Kyrie and Luka game. You know, we'll just be filing this into the Rolodex. What does Christian Wood get to do? Do guys start to come back? Maxi Kleba, by the way, still out, but getting closer. Um, and we'll just kind of continue to feel this thing out. What does Josh Green do as the dust settles? 
a great leveling for some of these guys that haven't had six full weeks of basketball as a you know large minute guys. I don't think there's going to be a big adder drop going on out there, but uh, I I do think that there's something. Apologies for the weird segue there. I uh, got a phone call from from preschool right in the middle of the show, but everybody's fine. Um, let's move on. Oklahoma City uh, at Utah. The Thunder, you know, they're slowly working a couple of pieces back in, but I don't expect that to change anything. Utah is intriguing because Colin Sexton is still out for at least a couple more ball games. They're going to be, I think, pretty gentle with him as the Jazz likely pivot a bit more into kind of the fade department here. They're only two games under 500, so again, they can't tank. They're just not going to be as good. That's the kind of long and short of it. They're just not going to be as good of a team without Conley, without Vanderbilt, without Beasley, uh, without Sexton right now. And, you know, they'll still be okay because Markkinen's having a career year and Kelly Olynyk is fine and Sexton, when he comes back, is okay. And, like, there are a couple of pieces, but uh, without the... I mean, they've been horrible without Conley the whole season. Remember when they went on that big losing streak earlier this year? It was when Mike was out for two or three weeks or whatever that was. Um... So is there a concern that maybe things move in the wrong direction for the veterans out there? Yes, but not yet. And then in the very near term, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker should step into a pretty big role here. He had already had an upgrade in role, and now with Sexton out, he's sort of like the last point guard out there. They can still use Olenek at kind of a point center, uh, but I expect THT to have pretty good numbers while Sexton's out even though the Jazz did pick up a couple of guards off the scrap heap. So you might see Chris Dunn. I think they picked him up, squeeze in there for a few minutes. I don't think those guys get to fantasy value, and I wouldn't certainly wouldn't worry about it once Sexton's back. Um, but for now, you probably have an, a decent shot at THT. Warriors at Lakers. No Steph on the Golden State side. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, I think, is is doubtful. I know he missed practice Due to personal reasons, again, I don't know if he's officially been ruled out for this ball game yet. I don't think it's officially official. They usually don't when it's still, you know, a day or whatever out in advance. So the Lakers see this, I'm sure, as an opportunity. But they got to test out their new pieces. It worked great against the Pelicans. You know, Jared Vanderbilt out there guarding the sort of focal point on the other team's offense. But the Warriors are a different beast than the Pels. Pels are, uh, you know, Ingram's more of a mid-range guy. McCollum's more of a mid-range guy. They have some dudes on the inside that could beat the Lakers up a little bit. Golden State is a little bit less that, you know, like attacking big men. Uh, But the Warriors also have Draymond Green, who has historically slowed down Anthony Davis more than almost anybody else in the NBA throughout their respective careers. But, you know, it's a chemistry thing for the Lakers. What is Jared Vanderbilt going to do? Is he is he guaranteed high 20s minutes against everybody? Or was that something that was just because he was playing against Brandon Ingram? And now, you know, if the Warriors don't have Wiggins today, then they don't really have a front court threat. Offensively, at least. That team will be all guard. Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, guys just going nuts around the perimeter. So then do the Lakers need Vanderbilt out there as much? Who's a little bit of a liability on offense, but what he brought defensively, rebounding, that sort of stuff, counterweighted that against the Pels in a way that, frankly, I don't know if it will here against the Warriors. And the reason we're kind of getting into this this Lakers deep dive is, do I want to pick up Jared Vanderbilt? And the answer is still kind of maybe. 
I haven't fully decided, frankly. I don't think the other guys are going to be worth a look. I mean, obviously, D'Angelo, LeBron, and AD are on, on teams. But to me, the fourth guy that you're thinking about, at least, is uh, is Vanderbilt. And then for the Warriors, if a bunch of guys are out, they're just sort of, you know, you'll, you'll get more Kavan Looney because that's a guy they trust. And then you'll get more Dante DiVincenzo, who likely would slot into the starting lineup if Wiggins is out. Uh, but I don't know that I would venture much farther than that. And then you kind of just assume that you're going to get uh, a big lame, big games out of pool and clay, and whether they're efficient or not is a little bit of a coin flip. Portland, still without a bunch of bodies. They're in trouble here because Simons is out a couple more weeks. His, his turned ankle was a bad one. Nurk, it doesn't sound like he's ready to go. Uh, Winslow's still not ready to go. So uh, whatever handicapping we do with the Blazers, we have to kind of do with a grain of salt because at some point you figure these guys will resurface per, for Portland. We just don't know when. Specifically, uh, Winslow is the one that actually intrigues me the most because with Simons, you know, you'll see more guard stuff. You'll see more Cam Reddish because they're going to need somebody to take some of those shots. You'll We already saw there was plenty of Matisse Thybul. Does Jeremy Grant work his way back into the mix here? Is he ready to go off the concussion protocol? There's a lot. So with Portland, you're not really watching one or two things. You're kind of watching everything and just sort of getting a feel for who's playing where and how much and when. And then with the Kings, there's nothing. So that's your look ahead. Uh, And now I want to do a little demo of uh, the long stream. That's the other part of this. But before I demo the long stream, I got to take a second to tell you guys, number one, if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're not, come hang out with us on YouTube and then like and subscribe. That's an easy decision. You shouldn't even have to think about it. But also, we are extremely, extremely proud to announce at Sports Ethos our first ever baseball draft guide. I want to see if maybe I can share. Can I share that window? Yeah, I can do that for the for the folks watching live. Our first ever, ever baseball draft guide is available now. Uh, $9.99 is the a la carte price, or you can sign up for the Fantasy Pass, which is just $5.99 a month. There's no monthly lock on the Fantasy Pass here at baseball draft season. So you can get all the articles that are in there already, and then there's so much more coming here in the next one to two weeks that potentially you could get all of it for $5.99? That's crazy. You got to do it, don't you? I think you do. I think you do. Featuring featuring the uh, delightful stylings of Joe Orico and his unbelievably skilled team. And now the folks on YouTube are getting to see the the landing page for our baseball draft guide. You can see all the stuff over there. You got overall ranks that are coming soon. Catcher ranks and shortstop ranks are out already. First, second, third, outfield, starting pitcher, reliever rankings. Those are coming soon. Bust candidates coming soon. You got sleepers past 200 that are in there already. Uh, Dynasty ranks, top 300. Top 100 dynasty prospects. Dynasty upside. Undervalued prospects. New faces in new places. Upside plays. Prospects. From the minors, primed for 2023 debuts, non-closing relievers, punt strategies. All of this stuff is coming in the baseball draft guide. Many of it, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 things are in there already. And again, you can ha- get this as part of the Fantasy Pass. If you have the Fantasy Pass for basketball, 
you get access to this already. And many of you do, because if you got the Fantasy Pass in early October, uh, your six-month isn't quite up yet. So you can just roll that right into baseball season. It's a beautiful thing. And if you don't have one right now and you are going to be playing some baseball, this is the spot to get it. Sportsethos.com. Click on the premium tab up at the top of the board. Folks that are watching live can see me do it. And then over here, there's a button to hit Get Premium. Sign up today. You click on Fantasy Pass. And then, bam, out. Takes you to the purchase page. There it is. Just, just scroll down. You can get the draft guide a la carte. You can scroll down farther. You can do the Fantasy Pass. Either one of those options gets you uh, the baseball plan. Fantasy Pass also gets you into the Discord. You can use the question and answer stuff going on in there for basketball as well. So now we pivot back into our long stream demo, which I don't want to take too long with this because um, the actual plan here is to do more of this long streaming stuff as most people get into their playoff week. So this is just a, to get a feel for how this process works. Long streaming for those uninitiated, is the process by which we create more streaming slots on your roster by not using multiple moves in each one of them each week. So, for instance, here, coming out of the All-Star break, you're looking for teams this week that have three games left. Just for those that are looking at what's on my screen right now, Cleveland is an example of a team that has three games left the rest of this week. They go today, they go tomorrow, they also go Sunday. They're not alone. Denver has three games, Warriors have three games, uh, that might be it. Nope, Toronto has three games, Sacramento has three games. Three games in four nights is nice, but it's not a full long stream. A full long stream... Now, obviously, 75% of days being occupied by games is a pretty good ratio. A back-to-back is 100%. Three games in four nights, 75%, and so on and so forth. You guys can do the math on that. Four games in six nights is a little bit less exciting. Uh, five games in seven nights is one of the best ones you can do because it covers you for a whole week. Uh, and then six games in nine nights is also a little bit less exciting, but it does give you that opportunity to go uh, a little bit deeper. <laughs> So, do any of these teams then qualify for that metric? Okay, well, and by the way, to those that are listening on the recorded side, I have, I've pulled up our premium streaming calendar that folks that have the Fantasy Pass, I just did a promo for, you guys have access to this entire thing uh, via the Sports Ethos website, but you're getting to see a chunk of it here on today's podcast, uh, and that's how we'll talk about it. Okay, well, if we're going to start today... You're looking for teams that go for a better stretch than three games in four nights. Well, look at that. Cleveland does not. They don't play Monday or Tuesday of next week. So they actually don't have their fourth game for a full week. So they're four games in seven nights after going three games in four. So that wouldn't really be a successful long stream. Denver is a little bit closer. They go four games in six nights. That's not terrible. But after that sixth day, you got to get rid of your Nuggets. The Warriors are actually a little bit more interesting. They are a six-game-in-nine-night team, which we just talked about. If you were going to go that kind of long avenue, if you need to conserve moves, 
the Warriors are actually a potential place to do it. Is it the best schedule? No, because in the middle there, they have two games over what is effectively a five-day span, and then they have four games and four nights on the front and back end. It's a back-to-back at the front and back end of it, and in the middle, things do slow down a little bit. But it does give you that option if you want to just see them all the way through to the end of that nine-day spell. What about the other teams going three days? Uh, I missed Oklahoma City, by the way. OKC is your big winner. And some of you in the chat are probably yelling at me about this because I scrolled past it really quick. Oklahoma City has five games in seven days starting today. At Utah, hosting Phoenix, off. Hosting Sacramento, off. Hosting Sacramento again. Hosting the Lakers. The Thunder are your optimal long stream starting today and taking you through Wednesday of next week. That's how you look at it. And then what you would do if you were going to continue along this path is, I don't know, let's say you picked up two Thunder. You don't have to um, because maybe even a team in a good long streaming spot doesn't have multiple options. But like, let's say that uh, Kenrich Williams is floating around in the waiver wire. Typically, he's not a guy you're playing in nine cat. He hasn't been good enough. But five games and seven nights out of Kenrich Williams is playable on the head-to-head side. So then you've got to look at March 2nd and grade out what you do from there. The Warriors have three games and four nights and six games or four games and six nights starting on March 2nd. The Clippers have three and four starting on March 2nd. Philly, actually, if you went earlier, they have a five and seven starting on March 1st. So maybe not the best team to pull up on March 2nd, but one to keep in mind uh, if you have a long stream that ends on Tuesday of next week and so on and so forth. So you look at the players on your team, you look at the slots that you're working with, and you just try to plot it out so that you're never making a move for a streaming slot more often than every four days. And once again, the reason that you do this, and this may be the most important part of this discussion, is the reasons behind it, the methodology. The reasons are you want to maximize games through your playoffs, but you need to have moves available if someone gets hurt so that you can pivot off of your plan. And then in that case, someone that you had on your team as a streaming option might just become a guy that you have to hang on to a little bit longer. Maybe you had a situation where uh, you picked up a Raptor, say this week, for three games and four nights to finish off the week, and your plan was to drop them on Monday and move on somewhere else. Because the Raptors only have three games next week, it's not the world's greatest scenario. But someone else on your team gets hurt, and you need to end up sitting on that Toronto Raptor. Well, could you hold on to them longer, and would it screw up your team in a huge way? And the answer is no. You could technically hold them, because they go four games in six nights, and then they're sort of every other day starting at that point. So it's not the end of the world. It's not perfect. But having that flexibility where you didn't use all of your moves on Monday and Tuesday, you might have used two of them, Later in the week, you can either move on from those guys, or if somebody gets hurt, you have a move to turn a zero on your roster into something. That's the absolute most important thing. You cannot take zeros during your postseason. So this long streaming, it allows you, if no one on your team gets hurt, which is, I mean, I don't know how you pulled off that miracle, but 
if in a magical universe, no one on your team gets hurt in a given five or seven day stretch, you get to long stream a third or even fourth slot on your team. If guys get hurt, you long stream two and you turn that third or fourth slot, which was an injured player, into someone who is not. And if your opponent isn't doing that, you're going to clobber them in games played. And as sad as it is, in head-to-head, if you have a one or two games played edge over your opponent, it definitely doesn't guarantee anything. But if you have like a six to eight games played edge over your opponent in a head-to-head week, you've probably got like a 90% chance of winning that week. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Unless you lose both percentages, which is a possibility, you're, you have a really good shot to win any counting category that you're gunning for. Because steals are so hard to find. You get eight extra games, you're probably going to win steals. I don't know if your team is competitive in, in all of these categories, but if they're ones that you're gunning for, you're basically going to win them. And so we'll do this more uh, as the playoffs actually approach. Again, we're going to do this a bit more like closer to maybe the weekend before March 6th. We'll take some time on that Friday, uh, which would be the third next Friday. Right? Week from tomorrow? Yes. Week from tomorrow, we will start to do a little bit more of the kind of long stream look ahead. And then these podcasts, all of these shows will become kind of a two-parter. We'll be doing the nightly recap, as always, because we got to find out what guys are hot, who we got to pick up. But then our look ahead is going to be both a look at that night's games, but even more so a look at basically like the next three to seven days worth of games and what to do long streaming wise at each step along the way. It's going to be different for every team because every team needs different types of players. All right, guys, we got basketball again tonight. Let's enjoy it. I am Dan Vespers. Go get a baseball package at Sports Ethos. You'll be so happy you did. And it's such a big deal for us to continue to expand this thing if this baseball uh, rollout is successful, and I know you guys will help me along that path, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, at Ethos Fantasy BK, or just at Sports Ethos, sportsethos.com. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Recorded listeners, come join us on YouTube next time. You can ask me some silly questions about cookies and underpants and life or whatever. Uh, but if not, tomorrow, I think, I think Brew's back with us tomorrow. We'll kind of see how his body's doing. Uh, and I know his kid's been sick too. Hello, preschool life, but hopefully we'll get Brew back on the show tomorrow. If not, uh, you'll have to listen to me yell at you again. Either way, we'll talk to you then. <laughs>